just trying to absolutely do, man yeah yeah, I, um, I mean, I'm trying to go out as much as I can, pretty much that's six, it. Just seven times a week. Keep getting on stage, bro. That's yeah. it. You got to keep getting up, keep getting up. The difficult part with stand up is that 10,000 hour rule applies, right? But for us, it's five and 10 minutes at a time. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So and then until you start getting to a place where you're headlining and doing an hour or 10 a night, your first 11 years is 15 minute sets. 20 if you're, if you're, if you get the middle somewhere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that, 10,000 hour point, you know, is it's real, man. And you can't fake what we do. You can't. You can't. So this it's through repetition. You just keep going and going and going. Do you love the rain? Does it make a dance when you're drunk with your friends at a party? What's your favorite song? Does it make a smile? Do you think of me? When you close your eyes, tell me what are you dreaming? Everything I want to know at all mm. I'd spend 10,000 hours and 10,000 more Oh, if that's what it takes to learn that sweetheart of yours And I might never get there, but I'm gonna try If it's 10,000 hours or the rest of my life, I'm gonna love you What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Blow the Horn once again, episode 10, with a very, very special guest. Uh, how did I manage to get this comic to do my podcast? I don't know. I asked him on Instagram and he agreed to it. So I'm very happy that he did. Uh, it wasn't my best interview, I was the fluidity wasn't great. I did uh, not prepare as much as I probably should have, but still, it was a very fun, very informative uh, conversation. Uh, oh, I probably should say who I'm talking about. I spent a little bit of time last night with one of my favorite comics that I don't think enough people know about. His name is Brett Ernst. He has been doing it for like 23, 24 years. Great comedian. I saw him the first time at the comedy store uh, when I went there for the first time, maybe three, almost four years ago now. And he just blew me away, and I was like, how does not everybody know who this person is? And so I became a fan of him. I started listening to his podcast, and whenever he would appear on, on other podcasts I listened to, uh, he was always very entertaining. And then I saw him at the Punchline in Atlanta a few years ago, and I to told him about that experience. That was very cool, because even though there was only maybe a handful of people in the crowd, less than 10, I think, he treated it like a show that like the, the, the room was packed. So it was cool to see... A professional treat a less than ideal situation as a professional that was very uh very cool to see uh anyways uh rat has been on comedy central Co uh cobra kai the the karate karate kid oh, i can't speak uh you know the fucking karate kid kid uh youtube series uh he is a regular on that he got his special out that hit a million views a few um, months ago. You go check that out. He's got two of the best This Is Not Happening stories on uh, on This Is Not Happening the online. He's an all-around funny, funny dude, funny guy. Took the time to meet with, with me at the Stress Factory last night before his two sold-out shows. I stuck around and watched the first show. It was really funny. It was really great. 
Uh, and yeah, it was just, uh, I'm really happy I got to do this. Uh, still learning how to interview people that I'm, I'm not familiar with uh, properly. So this was a little bit rough, but I think we got through it. I got some, some cool sound bites and some cool, cool responses from him. So I appreciate Brett for doing this. I appreciate everybody who's been tuning in and listening. I'm sorry I missed that last week. I just didn't have time to to find someone to record with, and I didn't want to uh, excruciate whoever listens to this by having me talk for an hour so. Hey, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for for tuning in. Um, I think we got a nice one lined up for next week. Hopefully it works out. Um, And that's it. And that's that. Uh, Stay doing what you're doing if you're happy with that. Or if you're not, do something else. Like I'm sure most people come here for these inspirational messages. So there you go. Oh, and that song, uh, probably not my first choice, but... I typed in songs about 10,000 hours and that's the first thing that popped up. So I went with that. Don't, don't sue me, Justin Bieber. It's just a, a modest little podcast that we're doing here for 12 people every week. So don't sue me, please. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Enjoyed the interview. Enjoyed the talk I had with Brett Ernst. Funny motherfucker. Follow him on everything. Watch his videos. Watch his stand-up. And go see him live if he comes to a town near you, which I'm sure he will be doing soon. All right, you guys have fun. Have a good Sunday. I'm going to go take a shower and go hit up an open mic. Adios, muchachas and muchachos. I want to learn to speak Spanish too, okay? Arriba, muchachos. Yo estoy muy feliz con el progreso del podcast. Not bad, all right? Bye-bye. Are we good? Testing, testing, okay. Check, check. Yeah, I think we're good. You Falcons fit? Yeah, I moved here from Atlanta a few, like, five months ago. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and, uh, well, do you want to start? or? We're, no, whenever you're ready, I just had a question about the Falcons. No, yeah, so I was, I was going to say, because the first, or I think I talked to you for, like, two minutes in Atlanta, like, a couple years ago. Dude, I swear on everything, you look familiar. And yeah. that's how, that's how I, I never forget faces. Yeah. Uh, so, was okay. I shooting Cobra Kai there, or was I at the punchline? You're the punchline, yeah. 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 So I was going to tell the story, because I had seen you at the comedy store maybe... 2017 i think and i back then i had just started like liking comedy so uh like i had i, I didn't know who you were before that but I just, you had a bit about a uh, bitch ass kevin yeah yeah and uh, that fucking killed me that was like so good <laughs> and then you came to the punchline a few uh, months after that and i came to see you and i don't want this to come off wrong but it was like not a lot of people on a sunday night yeah and no that was um yeah yeah well, maybe like what twelve or so, and but Not I was just even. I was just so impressed by the way that you handled it. It just treated like a regular show, and well, you know, it you know it's it's uh, it's weird. Like certain nights, certain times, you know, it's that, I think that's the, the goal of every comic is just to get everything sold out even before you get there a yeah, month before, yeah. you know. Um, but I, and again, I'm not. I I prefer it to be sold out. But I do like a lot of those small crowds where you can just uh, mingle with them, you know? Yeah, I saw a couple. Uh, you, I think, were the first. And then I think uh, Greg Fitzsimmons a little after that. Uh, also on a Sunday night, maybe, you know, 15-ish people in the crowd. And it's just cool to see, like, you guys treated the same way. I mean, not the same way, but just, like, approach it. Like, uh, you know, just keep, give a great show, even though there was not a lot of people there. So. Yeah, well, um, well, you know, in, in, in New York and in L.A., um, which now you're probably familiar with. We have a lot of showcase clubs where, like, you know, you go up, you do 15 minutes, and then the next, like at the comedy store we, when you were there, we piggyback, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
But you know, a lot of times you're performing in front of eight people at one o'clock in the morning, and, yeah. and well, um, as an open micer, that's well, even as <laughs> at the store, man. Like yeah, back okay. in the day, that's we, there was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the comedy store has been huge and blew up. Um, the, probably the past four years, or maybe three, it's been sold out every night. Mm-hmm. When I got there in '99. Because, you know, it was huge in the 70s and 80s, and then it died down. So there was no, you didn't see, nobody came to the comedy store, yeah. ever, for at least 11 years. <laughs> so when Fitz would go up, and we, you would get those sets all the time. And um, I, it seems like it, because we had a light, I mean, we sold out both shows last night and both shows tonight. But Thursday was like maybe 100 people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's just it's just a different vibe to to do that, and and a smaller crowd sometimes, you know, when, when you're used to doing stand up in major cities, you 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 kind of find kind of feel at home in front of that type of crowd, if that makes yeah. sense. You just start working out on stage and talking, and do you yeah do you like to do you take more chances and stuff like that when there's not as do you, um, do you feel more responsible to do your best stuff when it's sold out, other than it, well when it's sold out, then you're you're kind of. Um, You know, when you have a, when you have a packed house, you're, it's a different vibe. People are like, you gotta attack it, you know, because there's, uh, oh, there's like over 400 people here. Yeah. Right? So you, there's, you gotta keep them on. You gotta keep going. But when you, when there's not a lot of people, you can stay in the cut more, and and, you know, you you take not not that you treat it differently, but you you, are, there, it becomes more conversational and in the moment as much, you know, yeah. when, when there's a smaller crowd and. Mm-hmm. You can really work out and get some good gems out of that, you know, That's especially cool. if you're trying to work on new new ideas. That's cool. Talk them out, you know. Did you did you start at a comedy store? Or did you start be, or did you start before? I that? started in Miami. Miami. Yeah, um, and then I did stand up for about three years. Then I moved to LA in February of '99. '99. So like, been doing it for like 25 years almost now. Uh, 23. 23. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, My first joke was a Bill Clinton joke. <laughs> How long that before you stopped doing that one? Uh, when, when Bush got elected, <laughs> I saw I saw a good meme, uh, Bill Clinton meme yesterday about. Uh, have you seen these, uh, like this motherfucker spitting memes? The what? I don't. It's kind of hard to explain. I'll show you later. But uh, all right, never mind. It's just a, a meme. I can't explain it. Uh, well, first, thank you very much for doing this. It's uh, like I said, I've been a fan of yours since I saw you the first time, like three years ago. No, man, I appreciate it, dude. I appreciate you asking me. You know. How long have you been doing stand-up now? Two, three years? Uh, Two, yeah. Well, two. first time I got on stage was like three years ago, but that first year I did it like four times and yeah, kept doing worse. And then like I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. And then like two years ago, I actually decided to, to do it like constantly. And, and then I started in Atlanta, did it for like six months there. Actually got a internship in Vienna, Austria. So I moved there in Europe and did it for a year in Vienna. And How's the stand-up in Europe? It's different. It's a young. Uh, so like when I moved to Vienna, there was maybe like 12 people doing it. Right. And we would get like one or two shows a week, maybe if we're lucky three. So but it's like all us like organizing open mics and co- showcases like that. And then there was like a couple of people that would make a living just organize their own shows and traveling around, you know, other countries and other cities doing like small, like little 50, 60 seats, uh, you know, little pubs and stuff like that. But it was cool. I, I performed, I think, in seven countries when I was there. Wow, man, that's great. Yeah, and it was, it was most of it was really good. Yeah, because a lot of the times, even like open mics in the U.S., a lot of times it's just other comics in the crowd. Yeah. At least over there, it was mostly like people actually went to to see a show. And so. it translates okay. 
Yeah, well, it took some. So before I moved there, I was mostly doing one-liners when I started, uh, like shorts, like jokes with like references to American stuff. Right. And I moved over there, and I was like, oh, let me try whatever I have, see what works, and only like thirty percent of it kind of worked. So I got, I had to like develop a little more, like a little bit like longer bits and like storytelling a little bit, just so I could, you know, relate to the the type of jokes that they were used to a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Which was a good exercise because it got me out of my comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, I know, I know when I, I performed in Beirut and I was, everything translated, you yeah, know, because yeah. everybody speaks English pretty yeah. much everywhere. Yeah, well, yeah. overall, like, the language barrier wasn't a problem. Like, just a couple, like, I had a joke about Pan Express and they never seen a Pan Express, so. Oh, okay, I So, like, references, so references like that. references yeah, yeah. Well, that happens in America, too. Like, you can yeah, make yeah. a, re- you know. Yeah. People don't know what a Whataburger is or a, <laughs> or a Jack in the Box in, yeah. in, in, in New Jersey. yeah. But yeah, so then I I finished uh, moved back to the U.S. in July of this year and uh, stayed in Atlanta for a couple more months and then moved to uh, Camden uh, across the river from Philly. It's a nice neighborhood. That's <laughs> what everybody tells me. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to write a joke about how I I was gonna pay with uh, four singles for like a diet coke and uh, the ch- the lady checked to see if they were real right. at a convenience store, but uh, I haven't gotten that one yet. <laughs> But it's uh it's it's getting better though. Uh, there's legit like people are are trying to build shit up and gentrify, I guess. So. Hey man, some of those neighborhoods. As much as I hate gentrification, I also, you know, it's good though. It, it cleans them up a little, you know. Yeah, I I, I live there because my job is literally like ten minutes down the road from there, so it's the best I could find like close to work. So right. So it's not not bad. Come on in. Hey, what's up, Bill? How you hey. doing, man? Come on in. Yeah, you can come in. Just we're good. What's up, buddy? How you doing? It's a good crowd. We sold out tonight and tomorrow. I mean, both shows. Yeah. What? No, you can keep going. Oh, we're good. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I was gonna say uh, you got two of my favorite uh, "This Is Not Happening" stories, and uh, I just rewatched them, and I just wanted like to ask about. Have you ever been like a storyteller or did you like more develop into that kind of? Um, I developed into that. I mean, in the beginning, like I, I was always more uh, of a performer type. Like I'm not, I wasn't big on like the words, like the writing. <laughs> Even when I got my special transcribed, I'm like, God, this is nothing, nothing reads funny at all. So it was always like performing stuff out. But then it wasn't until a few, about eight years ago when my buddy Sam Tripoli was like, you know, Brett, you should just focus on the story, on your stories more. And then, you know, and then it's working out at the comedy store in front of 12 people that you 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 start to get that type of style. You have to work, you know, you, 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 you switch the style up a little, you know, but that style is more who I am. Yeah. You know, because when everybody starts comedy, they are they're all performing stand up. Mm-hmm. Then once you do it for a while, you just start becoming yourself. You know, you get your voice, you know, uh, you know, you just can translate it easier. Yeah. You know. So when you're like working on a story, do you uh, focus on like a, a big punchline at the end and and then build it up throughout, or is there a method or just however it goes? Yeah, it's funny. I do see it in a scene, but I try and keep it as real as possible without incriminating anybody. You know, you don't want to use real names. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like with the babysitter story, we're going to McDonald's. Um, we actually did go to McDonald's, but it wasn't right away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just you bring the end in more. But yeah, you do look for the tag, the the bow tie at the end. 
But I mean, if a good story should have that ending, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's any good story. Any story worth telling is going to have a payoff at the end. Yeah. yeah. Or else you wouldn't be telling it. Yeah. You know, you can't just have it up front. Then it's just a statement. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so usually if there's something funny at the end, that's why you're telling it. Yeah. It's it's the the beats in between the end. Right. Like like if you said, uh, uh, I want to tell you this great story about how my friend got shot. Right. You already know somebody's getting shot. It's, mm -hmm. it's got to be funny leading up to Howie and why he got shot, you know? And then the end would be, yeah, they shot him. But you would never say this story's about him getting shot. The shooting would be the funny part. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Depending on your sense of humor. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like with the axe. I actually hit her with the axe. But I'm not going to tell... You guys want to hear a story about how I hit my babysitter with an axe? And there's there, there's the punch. There's the punch. Yeah, yeah. So, you know yeah. what I mean? So you, you, you kind of hit it in there and then just... Well, you just don't let them know. It's yeah. just about this babysitter that, you know, yeah. was very abusive to me and my brother. And she... Uh, I, we, you know, it's funny. We I ran into her later in life. <laughs> For real? <laughs> yeah, I was like 17. And she was walking through the park where my, my grandmother lived. And she had her mom with her. And She remember you? Yeah. yeah. Well, my grandmother was like, yeah, well, you know. Because it was almost like, you know, I can't, you're looking at the older person, it was 10 years later. And she was kind of like, yeah, well, that was uncomfortable. And my grandmother was like, well, you know what, though? It was almost like, you know, we're not apologizing, so you shouldn't have hit him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like a stare down between the ladies. Yeah. And I'm serious. I'm like, oh, you know, you shouldn't have put your hands on my brother. You know, you were, you were an adult. We were kids. Was she legit crazy, though? Yeah, there was something off. Yeah. It was something off. Something off. <laughs> but that's how people... Everything back then was a little fucked up, man. It was, it's such a different world, man, that we live in now from when I grew up. <laughs> like, uh, you, know, yeah. you handle things with your hands, you know? Nobody really... Especially in this area. You know? I grew up in Brazil, so it's kind of different from everything in America, too. So yeah, I, would, I would figure that. Yeah, so whenever I go back, like people have ask me if I want to move back there, I'm like, fuck no, dude. I made it out. I don't. The women are unbelievable, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brazilian women are the most gorgeous women. They're fucking unbelievable. Well, the best ones are, but there's also a lot, a lot of not great stuff. But well, well I'm saying you have a pretty, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty high caliber. Yeah, of, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure you got your, your trolls. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, everybody does, but like the the, the Brazilian girls in in Florida are just sick. Yeah. The ass is just like, what the fuck? It's mostly natural, too. <laughs> yeah. They don't even work on it, I don't think. And they're sexy. They're, they're dancing. Even when they're walking, they're dancing. There's yeah. hips everywhere. Just staring at them going, Jesus. Yeah. It's a fun time, yeah. I like going back for like two weeks a year and then getting the fuck back over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what made you move out of L.A.? You just talked about that before we started. Uh, I, I moved to Ohio just bought a house with the wife you know and then that, that's why and i was trying to buy a home out there but it's just yeah you, know, you, you gotta make like i talk about it in my act you gotta make like 60 million dollars to get like a two-bedroom shit box and you know and in six figures doesn't even go far in la yeah so you know it's it's hard to save it's hard you know but uh my next move would either be i'd probably move to vegas where there's no state tax at all and the sun the heat, you know, yeah. or Florida, no state tax, and Brazilian women everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Orlando has a bunch of Brazilian people. So. Yeah, but you got it's Atlanta. It's cold still. Orlando. Oh, Orlando. I'm sorry. I was thinking of Atlanta. 
Oh, Atlanta. Said Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta's a little cold, but not too bad. Uh, everything shuts down if there's like a forecast of snow. So yeah, <laughs> I yeah. almost moved to Atlanta actually. Yeah, so before I, I got into comedy. Yeah. Yeah, my buddies opened up a strip club up there, the Gold Club. I've heard you talk about this, but I don't know exactly why. There's like some big legal thing that happened over Yeah, here. years and years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was like in early 2000s, they all got pinched. Are you setting that up on the stage tonight? No, I'm saying, what, what did Vinny say to do? Oh, we'll talk about it after this. All right, sorry. They're setting up cameras, and I was just, so people listening. You just shot a special a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, at the Kimmel Club. How was that? How did it go? It went really well, man. Yeah. We we did very. Did I show you the? I showed you the the trailer, right, Bill? Yeah. Um. Yeah. We. I shot. Had a film crew shoot it. Oh. Cool. Instead of more like a television type, it was more of a more cinematic. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like your last one. You had like the background with the, the like just. See, I, that one I, I yeah I I designed everything, the, everything from the intro music. To the graffiti, to the stage, to everything. The you know, it, it was just a concept idea I had in my head, you know. And it's kind of like an homage to how the old school specials kind of were, with the little sketch in the beginning, you know, and at the bookends. Um, and but this one, I just wanted it to be in a in a regular comedy club. And then when I was performing it at the Kimmel Club, um, the first time, I'm like, Jesus, this place is beautiful. But it, it's you don't see a lot of specials in Vegas. Because you don't know what kind of audience you're gonna get. Yeah, it's kind of random tourists mostly, right? Right. So we got really lucky, only because I've been performing there for so long that I do have a local following there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then a lot of the local comics, um, also, like, uh, th there's shows out there that I've been performing on for years that that they have a, they're regulars. So I rolled the dice with it, and, and it paid off, man. It really did. We hear. had some great crowds, and um, we got to shoot five shows. And, and, you know, Kimmel's Club was more than accommodating. They're actually excited that, you know, I'm the first one shot there. Yeah. Because Jimmy, when he shoots now, when you watch Kimmel Live, they shoot at the club. So, you know, like how usually they would do, uh, when you do stand-up, you would do at the, at, the, at the show. Yeah, the studio. So yeah. what they did now is they're, they're shooting like uh, four or five sets and then they air it so go, oh. they go to the comedy club and then you get to see the set in front of the comedy club oh that's is, cool yeah. that's i think that's brilliant that what they're doing with that yeah. but uh yeah no man i mean you know kimmel's leaving his footprint out there he's from there and uh i've known the family a long time so it just all came together man do you already have a idea when it was going to come out no not no. at all no. got five different cuts of the thing right now yeah and then I'm going to try and sell this one. I mean, the first one, I shopped it around. I didn't really get a lot of love, man. And then I got one Mickey Mouse offer, but I turned them down. And I put almost 20 grand of my own money into this, you know? And I wasn't, I wasn't being, I wasn't getting, nobody was buying it. You know, they were like, well, you know, I was getting, so I just said, fuck it. I'll release it for free. I turned down the Mickey Mouse offer, which I wish I took because the company ended up folding. So I got the money and the rights back. Was that CISO? No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so when I released it for free, I, I built out a site. And it took about two a year, almost a year and a half. And, and now we're over a million views. And, you know, we got some good numbers. Mm -hmm. So 
I got a little, little little bit of leverage to show the people now. They're like, look, man. And it was featured in Men's Health Magazine. I'm like, I did all this on my own. And some of the shit that's, you know, I don't put down other people at all. But some of that stuff is like, you know, some is amazing. But some you're like, how? Like, you know, and I'm sure you guys have seen some where you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, and uh, that's that. So if I don't sell it, I, now I have... Uh, an online presence that I can make money off of it now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which it took me a while to make money off, get my money back from the first one, but it paid off. Yeah. I've seen a couple of people start, I don't know if it's a trend or not, but people are starting to yeah, self-produce and release online. And well, I mean, I would like to say that I was the first, but I did it wrong. And then my buddy, Andrew Schultz did it after me. He did it right. He where he did chopped it and, and chopped it up in yeah. segments. So, we have over a million views on that whole hour. If I would have chopped that up into six, 10 minute segments, you know, we'd have six things with over a million views, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and then I, I couldn't, I could have monetized that what I'm making now six times yeah. a month, you know, but, uh, you're living and learn, man. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the real key is just getting, getting the product out there, you know? Yeah. Cause the more people see you, the more people are going to come, want to come out and, and watch you live. That's yeah. That's all I care about really. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. Try to. Any other questions? How, have you been an Atlanta Falcons fan your whole life? I moved there when I was 12, and that was like the height of Michael Vick, so I became a fan then. God. Yeah. And uh, and now after that Super Bowl that they lost, I kind of just like, kind of destroy my... My, yeah, of course, will man. To be you, a fan. you guys fucking killed me. I mean, how the fuck did you blow that lead, man? Uh, dude, I you I'm, killed me. You guys killed me. I still don't like. I was so up. Yeah. And you know what's crazy is like you know, and again, man, I don't think Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. I gotta still give it to Montana. Um. But you know, you watch that game. There was a lot of luck, man. Like oh, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. The Edelman catch was off the hands of a fucking Falcons defensive back. Yeah, so I'm saying, like, why do they – I mean, again, man, I don't want to take anything away from Brady, but, dude, I mean, he had two interceptions, I think, one for a pick six. Uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't It was like – It was like the perfect game up to the whatever. Dude, and then you had the two pass interference calls, which were bullshit, and then when you got the third one, it was actually pass interference. You kept the drive going. Trust me, I was very mad. Me. Very, very angry. <laughs> <laughs> I blew it. I fucking, I hate your team, by the way, for doing that to me. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> it's fucking awful. But what are you going to do, man? Yeah, I, I fucking, ever since then, football for me, was just like, I watch it and it's like, if it wins, if they lose, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, Did he really? We bought a, oh, really? Is he going to go, you think? Oh, my God. That would be fucking insane. When When is the Raiders moving there? This year. This year? Dude, I was out there. I do a lot of work in Vegas, man. Because um, we had we had our show, too, that we were doing. And, dude, it looks fucking unbelievable. Like, I, if, I, if I was a Raider fan, I'd be very excited. Yeah, it's fucking dope. Anything, I'm sorry, man. We, we, we got a conversation going after. That's my fault. We're, no, we're fine. All right. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I don't. Uh, 
just want to guess this is cliche as shit but i just want to ask if you got any advice for a young comic <laughs> just trying to absolutely do, man yeah Dude, I, um, I mean, I'm trying to go out as much as I can, pretty much that's six, it. seven times a week. Just keep getting on stage, bro. That's yeah. it. You got to keep getting up, keep getting up. The difficult part with stand-up is that 10,000-hour rule applies, right? But for us, it's five and ten minutes at a time. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So and then until you start getting to a place where you're headlining and doing an hour or ten a night, your first 11 years is 15-minute sets. 20 if, you're, if, you're, if you get the middle somewhere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that... 10,000 hour point, you know, is it's real, man. And you can't fake what we do. You can't. You can't. So this it's through repetition. You just keep going and going and going. What's up, buddy? You guys doing okay in here? Oh, yeah, we're good, man. Excuse me? You guys need anything? No, we're good, man. Thank you. I apologize. You know, there's a lot going on. No, it's fine. Uh, we're about to kick off in an hour. But anyways, yeah, no, man. Just And the other thing is, is... Don't don't edit yourself, you know. Mean what you say and say what you mean. Like a lot of people like to do jokes for the shock value of it, may not believe it. That that'll get you into trouble, mm -hmm. you know. But if you if it's your truth and you believe it, then fucking say it. Yeah, you know. I learned that early because I had like a little audition to open for. Do you know Jessica Williams from Two Dope Queens? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I actually did a pilot with her years ago. Yeah, she was doing a. I was at Georgia Tech at the time, and uh, she was doing a, like the spring comedy show, and so I did the little audition to be the student opener, and I went up there and I was like, I don't want to do my regular jokes because might offend people, and I had like a horrible set, and it was still good enough to be like the student opener, but I was like, I'm never gonna. I don't want to add it to myself. Or you you, you try to take it down a notch. Yeah, and it yeah. Work, and right? I was like, it's not like my shit is super offensive or super dirty, anyways. But, but the. the the thing is, though, especially with your generation, is that um, you, there's some weird thing going on where, you know, their feelings are getting into the creative process where, I don't know, it's it's just, uh, it, it's comedy, man. You know, it's 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 a rough arena. It's like, it's like saying, hey, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have a fight, but you're not allowed to punch in the face anymore. We're gonna tickle each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the first one to give, you know, it's 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 part of the art form. I mean, the goal isn't to offend. The goal is to make something fucked up funny. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in, in the process, you can get a little collateral damage from that. If you're not coming from a good place. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's usually the key, man. Is it, it, where, where is it coming from? Is it coming from a, a mean place or is it coming? It's not my style of comedy at all, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying it, if it is your style, don't back down from it. And if it's not, then do that. But you got to stay true to what you are and who you are. Yeah. Well, you know? I like doing self-deprecating shit. And, but even that, sometimes people like get offended on my behalf. I'm like, <laughs> I like, I like talking about but, being fat and like, but Oh, see, the, like, the thing is, is that they have every right to, but you, you know, I tell uh, Bill see me enough. Tell people that you don't go home. You don't belong here. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, I'll, I throw a joke on, on one of my pages and you'll get people, I don't think, this page isn't for you. This is not for you. Go somewhere else. Yeah, but you, you know? don't need, yeah, they don't need to, they don't I'm need okay to let you it. know that, like if, I think we have a problem with people not being able to just move it on and having to make a, a thing well, out of it's it. It's only a thing if you make it a thing, you know? Like if somebody finds a joke offensive, and by the way, that whole PC thing is blown out of proportion too. It's not like there's cops out front. Yeah. You know, like in the 50s when fucking 
they're going to arrest me like they did Lenny Bruce. Yeah. It's just that angry cancel culture thing that is slowly going away. Most people are normal. And true liberals don't really get offended, you know, because it's, it's usually, you know, it's crazy. The progressive wing and like the conservative, they, they have the same thought process. Oh, yeah. It's the same group. I mean, anybody that is an objective person and has to deal with both of them, you know, if you, if you really want to test how crazy your side is, go against your side and watch what comes at you. You know, because everybody always acts like, you know, the Republicans are crazy. The Democrats are crazy. They're only crazy. Your side's crazy, too. You're just in agree. They're agreeing with you. Go yeah. against them and see how crazy. It's the same crazy, you know, but that shouldn't interfere with the comedy process. That's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? Just yeah. stay true to that. And one of my favorite expressions is it's it's none of my business what you think about me. And, and it's true. You have every right to think I suck. I, I walked a couple uh, Thursday night. They walked. You know, I said something they didn't like. They weren't rude. And uh, I let them go. I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. I, I thanked them. Thank you for not interrupting the show. You know, and go get your money back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you don't find suicide funny, then I, I don't know what I don't know what is funny. <laughs> no, I mean, look, that's that's the risk that some people take, you know. Because you've read, my, my, my buddy here runs my YouTube page. There will be comments going, you know, I wish you didn't curse so much. And, you know, I think you would be funnier. And oh, no, it's not. No, it wouldn't be. I'm from, yeah. I, I grew up here. I, I say fuck is a verb, an adjective. It's a noun. It's all, all, all the things. It's the greatest. My grandmother said fuck. My mother says fuck. You know, it's just who I am. But anyways, that's, I would say that, um, it's none, of, it's, none of your, it's none of my business what people think of me. The other one I love is not everything is your fault, but everything's your responsibility. So you're going to be where you're at no matter what happens to you because of you. And you've got to understand that. It's not, there's not some magical guy that's going to be like, I'm going to make you a star. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. You've got to put your time in and you've got to adapt with it as well. So many comics my age refused to ride with the internet. And a lot of them, you don't even know who they are. Yeah. I had to adapt to it. I had to find somebody like this kid that knows that shit. You know, I taught myself how to edit, you know, and you just, you gotta, you gotta adapt or die, you know, but you're, you're already there. That's where you have it easy. I have what? You're already at that age. So you understand oh, yeah. that internet shit. Yeah. I'm, but even if I was 20 something, I wouldn't understand that internet shit. I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking stupid. I don't even understand today. I mean, it was around when I was young. I just didn't fuck with it. But um, and the, and don't rush. Don't rush the progress. Take your time. Yeah. Keep getting. Up. You can't fake this. You can, there's nothing more. There's nothing more damaging to a career than somebody who's trying to be a headliner when they're still not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even though you could sell the tickets, because that's what a lot of these younger comics are just trying to brand themselves. Like, I remember when I started, I didn't call myself a comic until, like, three, four years in. And there's people that are, I, this person hit me up. I swear on everything. Um, do you have any advice on young comedians coming up? I'm nervous. I haven't got, and did this whole thing that I look on the, and they say comedian. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? So you, I got, you, you have no idea what, what you're doing. So I got the other day, he went to his first open mic, bombed really hard, which is, okay, and then he had me on Facebook a couple of days later, and it said, works at comic at stand-up comedian. I was like, 
<laughs> the one mic. <laughs> the one mic. <laughs> so what you see a lot of these people that are trying to, they get really thirsty online, bro. Like you, you see these, they're just trying to go viral, you know, doing goofy shit and just has nothing to do with, with stand up or, or anything. And they're just trying. I mean, look, the goal is to sell tickets. At the end of the day, it's not a meritocracy. It's a business. So if you ain't selling tickets, you could be the funniest motherfucker on the planet. You're just going to be an opener. You know what I mean? But they try to go viral, but then when you, people are only gonna buy tickets to your show one time, yeah. So you gotta make them want to come back, you know. And and there's a lot of times I've seen, and that's this is it's always been typical where a lot of comics bite off more than they could chew. But you know, just understand it's a creative process. It's it's like having sex, you know. Even the first four years you're getting laid, you're not really fucking. You don't get you don't really start fucking till you're in your thirties and <laughs> you're choking bitches and you know, having threesomes and you know all kind. Not just sitting there missionary going, five, ten minutes, like dice. No, I'm just saying. And then you're like, yeah, I fucked the shit out of it. No, man. There's a lot that, that's in it. This, you know what I mean? So if that's if that's a good analogy. <laughs> All right. So comedy is like story. Fucking, yeah. It is. It's like sex. Yeah. When do you... Uh, when you st when you try a new joke and it doesn't really go as well as as you maybe thought it would, how how long do you? I'll beat that motherfucker to the ground. Yeah, you just I ain't, I ain't letting if you it think go. it's funny, you just you just gotta find uh, well, a way if, to. Well, if I think it's funny, then it's gotta be funny. Yeah, but then sometimes you know, but usually I, it, like I said something the other night that I thought was hacky. Because like I, and in my head I'm like God that was kind of hacky and then I, I and then I edited it out. But then the other comics, they were like, dude, that was funny. And I was like, uh, it was? And I go, that, don't you think that's hacky? And then then I'm like, yeah. And then you, like, there's times you'll edit on stage like that. But if, if, if I think something's funny, I'll, I'll keep doing it. it you only, like I said, man, you only need 1% of the crowd, 1% of America to like you. So oh, yeah. So if you're, if you're saying a fucked up joke and... You get like, uh, uh, I'll take one person laughing really hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's something that a fucking 300 people going, ha, 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 and moving on. Like, you mean, you want to hear that one person going, holy shit, that's the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. And the audience is like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's the dumbest thing I've ever, but yeah. It just depends. But then, you know, there's sometimes where something that I find funny, once I say it, I'm like, that's really, that's not that funny. You know, but. I, I'm my own gauge. Okay. I know it sounds crazy, but I don't let the audience determine my comedy. I used to. When you start, you do. Yeah. Because you think it's about them. It's not about them. The audience doesn't even understand that. It's not about you. I'm going to give you the best performance possible. I'm not going to go up drunk. You know, everything's going to be calculated. A lot of this stuff, you know. But if you don't like it, put your fucking head on the desk. It's, it's that simple because it's not about them. I care about the audience. I'm just not catering to them. But that's how your audience finds you. Because that's how it works. Like, we're, I'm fucked up. He's fucked up. You know, you have fucked up friends. And usually fucked up people have a, the same type of friends. So you're watching a comedian. Like, the guy that opened for me, Mike Racine, is fucking brilliant. Right? You're listening to this guy. I, will, I would recommend him to every one of my friends that I know. You got to watch this guy. And that's how your audience finds you. You know, like, I don't want no fucking soccer mom. If I'm making soccer moms laugh, 
that means my friends are just going to be like, eh. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So that's how your audience find you, is, is you just staying true to yourself. Because fucked up people hang with fucked up people. And Mitzi Shore taught us, taught us that at the comedy store. She, she used to bring up Sam Kinison all the time. Because Sam was a door guy there, and she would always put him on after midnight, right? But nobody was laughing, except there's that one table fucking dying. So then the, you would get a random phone call. Hey, who is that guy that was, you know? And the next thing you know, that one table becomes two tables. And then it just grows. And sooner or later, the people that didn't find him funny are just outflanked by all the people that love him. And then you, that's, when you, that's when you arrive, when your audience finds you. And, it's, and it is true, man. People come and they, they want to hear Joe Diaz's stories. They, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like you're almost dis- you would be disappointed if he told you a story where there wasn't some type of a drug deal, or a you know what I mean? Or somebody's getting stabbed. Nobody yeah. got stabbed in this story, you know? No blood. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you. That's why you're a huge fan of. Jo- that's why I am. I I want to hear fucked up Uncle Joey stories, and he's got a shit ton of them. I came to watch him here maybe three months <laughs> ago, best. and uh, one of his childhood friends was was sitting in the front in the first row. And, like, it was cool because he was, like, validating all the stories that Joey was telling on stage. Well, dude, that's the thing, too, with Joey. I mean, we've been friends forever. I mean, forever. If you you heard us on the podcast, like, we would road dog it together. And I would listen to this guy, and I'm like, that's, this is my, this is my sense of humor. Right? That's what I love. Yeah. And his stories are just so fucking awesome. (laughs) And the, the other thing, too, is... Here's a guy whose both his parents were dead by the time he was 14, living on the streets. What the fuck kind of comedy do you think he's going to do? Oh, yeah. What do you think he's going to do? Christian comedy? PC comedy? Guy went to jail for fucking strong arm robbery and kidnapping. <laughs> what the fuck? You, you think you're, you know what I mean? And that's just who he is. And he's one of the realest motherfuckers on the planet, and he'll give you the shirt off his back. But he takes his life on stage, and that's why everybody loves that dude. Same thing with Burr. Burr is exactly that dude. Well, what happened to cigars? And wait, that's he's exactly that guy. It's not an act, you know. Just like I'm the same cat that, that you're gonna, mm-hmm. you know. It's it, you, it, you just want to be as true to yourself as possible. Anyways, whatever. Yeah. I'm rambling. That's that's, that's great. <laughs> well, uh, I don't want to f- keep you too much longer. Uh, yeah, fuck the Falcons. Let's <laughs> let's wrap it up. Me too. How did you blow that lead, dude? Dude, I pulled off the road. I was I was in. Uh, with Car- my buddy Carlos, we were driving back from San Francisco. We pulled off to to watch the game in uh, some fucking cow town, and we're we're watching. We thought I thought I was up because I re- I rode half half my winnings that year on the fucking Falcons. Asshole team, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I don't want to say, but like you know, we we were we were celebrating. Me too. <laughs> we were like fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, we were fucking high fiving, like, dude, we're gonna go. Let's take this money and go to Vegas with it. And, and next thing you know, we're sitting there with our mouths open, going, "How the fuck?" I was, fu- yeah, it was fucking. Yeah, because we gave five and a half, right? Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta got five and a half. I forgot what it was. I think Atlanta was underdogs, right? Right. And then they they win by six. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't you couldn't kick a fucking field goal? You went for the jugular? Well, you know, our we have a sports show that we do with the book at Mandalay Bay and, and the guy that is our my co-host, it's me, Javon Curse. I don't know if you remember Javon Curse, the freak. 
Um, uh, and this dude, Jay Rude, and he, and my buddy Alex Monaco. But Jay is the number one sports handicapper. So, you know, he explains how they make the lines. And, uh, it, oh, it's fucking really interesting. But it's it's not as complex as you think. So it's like an algorithm that they put into the computer, but then they factor in little things like the weather. The, the only thing that, you know what will change it is wind. Wind is the most... If it's really windy, that that can really move move a line. Well, the the way it would work is the home team is automatically spotted four points. Okay, so if you're, if you're seeing um, uh, like if if a, if a home team is only giving two, that means on a neutral field they'd probably be the underdog, or, or you know they would probably be the underdog, but they get that four points. But it, and also what moves the line is how much action is. Is getting on one, on one team to you know. It's, it, you can watch the interview; it's, it's really cool. That's cool. But it's called the point five. It's called the hook. So that fucking hook has it's killed so many fucking people. It'll kill you. Like you think it's just a one point five. But anyways, dude. Well, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, really appreciate you taking the time and. Uh, yeah. It's cool. Got to gear up. Anything else you want to ask? Are you going to edit this at all or no? Uh, or just going to play it in its entirety with the interruptions. Yeah, I don't. Pretty much. Uh. <laughs> in the ADD fucking. No, that's good. We had it 40 minutes, so that's fine. Uh, hey, appreciate throw me, it. Throw man. me a bottle of water. Yeah, you got. Morning found me lying on a floor in New Orleans. Looking like the patches was about to eat my jeans. Feeling like my belly was a warehouse for the blues And I sure miss my sweet cocaine Carolina Met her on an ocean liner called a cocaine Carolina She was quite a lady then and I was 22 God knows how much I adored her I just never could afford her Cocaine Carolina, how did I get hooked on you? So goodbye, Cocaine Carolina, you and I are through. I'm going back to Sandy Skag, she knows just what to do. She don't love me for my money, she just wants my body, honey. Cocaine Carolina, how did I get hooked on you? Oh, someone said if I was lucky, I could go back to Kentucky. Lexington was famous for its bluegrass and its hills. Carolina, we should get up. Don't you know we'll have to split up? Maybe I should go to California. Goodbye, cocaine, Carolina. You and I are through. I'm going back. She don't love me for my money She just wants my body, honey Cocaine Carolina How did I get hooked on you? Oh, goodbye, Cocaine Carolina You and I are through I'm going back to Sandy Skag She knows just what to do She don't love me for my money She just wants my body, honey Cocaine Carolina, how did I get hooked on you? Oh, 
And that's it, and that's that. Thank you guys for listening. If you stuck around up to here, uh, like I said at the beginning, I don't think I said this, but there was quite a bit of interruption and quite a bit of uh, people coming in and out of the room. So it wasn't ideal, and my questions weren't great. But anyways, I appreciate the shit out of Brett for doing this. Appreciate every single one of you who are listening and tuning in and giving a fuck about the blow the horn. I appreciate everybody. You guys have fun. Have fun, have fun. That's all that matters, right? All right, I'm going to go. Adios, adios, muchachos. I'm going to sign off in Spanish from now on, okay? Adios, muchachos. Una cerveza, por favor.